Today I'm on the phone with Justin Patton, who's in Honduras, and this is the second time we're recording this, because the first time I thought I knew what I was doing, and I didn't. I got cocky. Yeah, you know, that's what it is, just a bunch of learning experiences, yeah? <laughs> exactly. We live and we learn. Exactly. <laughs> the thing is, you just don't make the same mistake twice. <laughs> yeah, it would be really embarrassing if I had to text you again and say, hey, we got to redo it. All the levels are looking good. I'm, I double-checked everything. I, I even did like a test run. <laughs> we're squared away, dude. I'm pumped that we're doing this over Skype, so I'm actually able to see Justin in Honduras, which is cool, and he's able to see me here, <laughs> which is tight. Yes, which is less cool, but still cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was planning on visiting him, but uh, it looks like that's not going to happen. So, Yeah, we got this cool thing called COVID at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> kind of jacking up plans for everybody everywhere. It's insane. One of my uh, favorite things to think about is the fact that I don't remember who told me. It might have been my dad because, you know, he's filled with wisdom and stuff. Mm-hmm. might have been somebody else. I might have read it somewhere. He, he told me, he said, you know, God's got a plan and we don't understand that. He said, but I like that. I don't understand it. And I was confused. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why Why are you cool with understanding? I'm like, I want to know what it means. And he told me, he said, if I can understand the way that God works and the way that God thinks, that means that I'm like God. And that means that God is like me. He said, I don't want a God that's like me. He said, I do too much dumb stuff. That's he said, I, I, don't, I don't need a God that's human. I need a God that can work in the ways that I don't understand. Because mm-hmm. that's the only way that I can have a real God and not just. That's true. And that, that gives me a lot of peace. When I can't understand what's happening, it's nice to think that I can't understand it. Yeah, man. And I think all this like pandemic video stuff going on too. Have you have you like seen any of that? <laughs> I have not. What does that mean? Uh, it's like this whole movie that's going to be coming out this summer, apparently. Uh, but I just watched like the first part because I was just interested. I like to hear like conspiracy mm-hmm. theories because I like to think about them because I think sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Pandemic is basically about like how um, the medical field isn't handling it right or the uh, CDC mm-hmm. isn't handling it right. Like, so they're basically saying like what we're doing right now is completely off of what we should do. We should actually be just letting it run its course. I've seen a lot of stuff that says that actually. Yeah. yeah. Is everybody thinks like the mask is like the, the golden ticket. If I wear a mask, I'll be fine. If I wear a mask, I won't get COVID. If I wear a mask, I'll be, nothing can touch me. But then you think about the fact that, it, well, I think it was the CDC. Somebody said uh, that you should only be wearing a mask if you are sick or you're dealing with people that are sick. Because mm-hmm. what happens is, is when you got that mask on and you're not sick, you're just breathing in your own hot, humid air with all the bacteria that you would normally be expelling yeah. and you're just recycling it and recycling it and you're subjecting yourself to a whole bunch of other nastier sicknesses. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, stuff like that is what gets me. I mean, it's definitely interesting to think about and I don't disagree with all of it, but some things people say, I'm just like, all right, shut up. You don't, you're not even in the medical field. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wait and listen to the experts on this one. If you don't mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to start this new thing, and we're going to see how it goes. And so I want you to come up with an entrepreneur idea on the spot. So it can be anything. Well, <laughs> you know I used to own my own business, right? Yeah, you did a lawnmower business for a while, didn't you? I did. I had a landscaping business from the age of 12 until 18. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. And so it, it'd probably be that, you know? Yeah. Easy money. It's right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, and I – Looking back now, I've got the perfect formula, and you get a bunch of small yards lined up in North Beach and roll through with a push mower, 200 bucks at Walmart, 
you know, charge a minimum of 25 bucks a yard, which is nothing. Yeah. And you can, you could do one block in North beach, 10 houses and walk away with 250 bucks in one weekend. Yeah. Did you have like a, and that takes maybe an hour tops. Yeah, it's true. Did you have a trailer and everything or were you just throwing it in the back of your truck? I had three, uh, three mowers, Mm -hmm. three mowers, two zero turns and a, uh, walk behind with a Velky. And then I had two push mowers, two weeders, an edging tool, uh, a power edging tool, and then, uh, you know, truck trailer. And then at one time, about 13 employees. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> and then you, yeah. and I'm guessing you, you sold all that now, right? I did. I started to kind of slow down because, you know, as, as you progress in high school, I was doing AP courses, which not to say you can't work and do a course at the same time, but I was working at the church, running the business and doing school full time. And then junior and senior year, I was doing uh, college classes too. Okay. And so it just got to be a lot. And so I kind of scaled back a little bit and then a little bit more. And then by the time, right before I came to Honduras, I only had a few pieces of equipment left. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of parted out the stuff and let my customers know what was going on and that I really felt the calling for Honduras and kind of pieced out. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. Do you think if you weren't in Honduras, you'd still be doing that? You know, I don't know. So I've always been called towards like public service and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I wasn't in Honduras, I would definitely be doing police, fire, uh, or even in working at the church or something like that. Something yeah. to that effect where yeah. I could serve people. Always felt a strong calling for the military and the police. Uh, my dad was a firefighter, so I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I wasn't in Honduras, I'd be doing something like that. But if I was only focused on the money, I think that is absolutely where I would be. Just having, having that much time at such a young age and then being able to look back now and really like plan out how to do it i think that could definitely make a living doing that yeah well i think i don't think i'd choose to yeah i think you got a lot of tangible experience from that too though not even just the money yes run their own business save up for taxes yep man yeah a couple mistakes made while i was running the business you know kind of kind of come out of pocket yeah (laughs) but it's all it's all learning experience i'm really grateful for all of it yeah no, you got to have some mistakes, though, man. That's how you learn. Oh, 100%. Mistakes are great. Yep. And it's the best teacher. Yep. Mistakes and uh, pain. Exactly. Because if it hurts, when you make a mistake, you don't make that mistake a second time. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, man. It hurt when I recorded this whole entire conversation and realized that was going to be impossible to edit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty rough realization that I had. But now you got to figure it out, and that's what it takes. Exactly, man. And now, yep. now that will never happen again, and my podcast is going to be running at a hundred percent now. <laughs> exactly. Fail fast, fail big, and then you're set up for success. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, go into just introduce yourself. Uh, what are you up to? Well, uh, my name's Justin. I went to the church that uh, Stephen and I grew up in for since I was three, I think, until I was 18. And I didn't leave the church. I actually moved down to Honduras for what was originally a three-month internship. And now I am on staff with Honduras Compassion Partners. Now I live in Honduras. It'll be a year on the 21st of May. Mm-hmm. Just serving people and, and loving doing that. It's been incredible. Yeah, that's sweet. Go into how you made that all work. So why did it turn in from a three-month internship to you living there? So, kind of a funny story. Um, when I look back, you know, people say hindsight is twenty twenty, and I look back, uh, and essentially, God was telling me no for a long time, and then I finally, like, it hit me, and I understood. But I wanted to join the army for 
I tried to join the army for like two years straight and I got denied for the dumbest things. But it was always the mentality of like, that's cool. I'll fix this one piece of paperwork. We'll come back and we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. And did that for two years straight. And then I finally got a call that said I got in after it'd be, and you know, everything's slow in the government. And so it was, you turn papers in, wait two months. I was denied. Go fix something at the doctor, turn it back in, wait two more months. I was denied. And so it was that. And it was like seven rounds of that. Finally got the yes. And I was wrestling, wrestled all through high school. And my senior year, day before the first match, we had practice. And without anybody touching me, by uh, completely on my own, still one of the most amazing things I pulled off, I managed to rip off my kneecap and sever my MPFL Solid. just standing there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, just standing there. It was great. That takes skill. And then, if, yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> the doctor looked at me and he said, I don't know, you could... You had to like push, pull, twist, turn, all this stuff in the exact right way because knees don't do that. I was like, yeah, but it did. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, I tried to go back to practice after that. And then went to the orthopedic guy, found out what happened, and then got permanently disqualified from the Army, which meant that I could go through, get approved, but I would still have to wait another year. And then I'd be fine. So I was technically permanently disqualified, but they would give me a waiver after a year if I still wanted to join. And so I had, I had, at that time, I had been working on, I went to Honduras in the summer of 2018 with my youth group and only spent a week here, but I just fell in love with the country. And from the second I got back the entire time, I was just trying to get like a couple week internship to come back. So it was going to be, I think, four weeks at the start of everything. Uh, and then it became five weeks and then six weeks and then nine weeks, and then 12, and then three months even. And so I got the call. So at that point, I was in Honduras over the summer, and I got the phone call saying that you're disqualified, uh, but you're okay. And so I had done that in December, meaning the following December, I could come back. And that would have been almost six months exactly in Honduras. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'll just stay till December, and then I'll go back, and I'll join the Army, like I was trying to do in the first place. And I was sitting here, and Robert came down here, actually, on like a business trip. And I was talking to him my father and Jeremy. And Robert asked me, he said, sir, are you still trying to go into the army? And I said something kind of naive at the time. I was like, you know, if I get denied one more time, I'm going to take that as a sign that I'm supposed to be in Honduras. And he said, you know, that that works, I guess. And I could tell there was something like more behind that. And I was like, what do you mean? And he told me something uh, that I will hold on to for the rest of my life. He told me, he said, if I am a smoker, I want to quit smoking. And I tell myself, if I walk into a 7-Eleven this morning, and they don't have any cigarettes, then that's my sign. I'm going to stop smoking. He said, Justin, 7-Eleven is never going to run out of cigarettes. He said, so I'm never going to stop smoking by that logic. And that, to me, shattered my whole world. I was like, ah, shoot, now I have to like actually make a decision and not let the decision be made for me. And There's all this behind it, and it became exponentially harder. And so I prayed about it. I thought about it a lot. And it was one of the toughest decisions I ever made. But I decided that I was going to stay in Honduras. And it was a t tough decision to make. But the instant, and I mean the instant that I said to myself, like, all right, I'm going to stay here. Dude, it was like this wave of peace mm -hmm. that just crashed over me. And I was like, okay, yeah, that was that was the right move. That was what I was supposed to be doing the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm super grateful. Uh, HCP found a position for me, and I'm actually on staff here now. I've been on staff since January, and it's been, it's been an incredible experience. I love it. And as of right now, there are no plans to – to leave solid see myself here for a long time sweet and uh when you're coming back and visiting how long do you usually stay when you visit usually about two weeks it's it's usually an entire day of travel 
Mm-hmm. Um, this time will actually be over 24 hours of travel because I bought some cheap ticket on Expedia, which, you know, I got no problem with. Yeah. But I don't want to spend two full days traveling and then stay for a week. Right. And so I'm actually planning on being there from the 9th until the 22nd. Okay. But yeah, usually about two weeks. I love the mountains in the background, bro. It's awesome. Right? Dude, isn't it the best? It's freaking beautiful. You know what's crazy is there's there's been like some insane wildfires. Oh, really? And normally those mountains, those mountains are crystal clear. Like I can see a person walking up the mountains from mm-hmm. where I'm sitting right now. And it's just smoky and right now? There's been days where I can't even see the mountain. That's crazy. Like it's it's literally right over the side of the right over the road. It's right there. And it looks like it's so far away. Dude, yeah. And yeah, it looks like it's miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away. <laughs> How far is it actually? It's about like a can half you... mile. Really? About a half half mile from the base and about three quarters of a mile from the peak. Dang, dude. Have you hiked it up? Uh we have not. Uh, I think the entrance is like in the next town over. Okay. And it's just one of those things that like every team that comes is like, Oh, we should we should hike up it. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, yeah, let's see how you how you feel after the first day. And we're all exhausted. And they're like, nah, let's not hike up it. I'm going to have to hit it at some point. Yeah, dude, just wait for me. I'll be there. All right, I'm about that. That'd be awesome. And you know, there's, uh, there's more than that one. There's like seven in that range. Let's go. Yeah, dude, I th- I'm thinking that I'll come up when you're not working. Okay. You know? Yeah, I'll send you the, uh, the dates. We got a couple, like, few weeks here yeah. and there that are free. That'd be awesome. And uh, even if it's not summer, because either way, I'll always be working. So I'll just have to take off whenever that is. I'll take off for like a week or whatever. And then we can actually chill and walk around town and stuff. It'd be fun. Yeah, I'd be all about that. Maybe between like like Christmas and New Year's. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how expensive flights would be. I'd love that, dude. I'd love that. What's the temperature there right now? Right now? I think like 85. Dang. Dude, Mm -hmm. it's it's 50 degrees here now. Yeah, it's only, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so it'll get it'll get worse you're heating up <laughs> right around like one two o'clock it'll probably be around 100 105 <laughs> it's funny it's uh it's great sometimes yeah we're just now we're still in spring here but i mean it's still pretty cool i thought it'd be warmer by now but we had a we had one day last week that was 70 degrees and that was nice we really? went, went out and paddleboarded man i'm so excited that was a i've day. had let me tell you, I've, I've had the most vivid dreams. It happens every time. Whenever I buy a ticket home, mm-hmm. like I get excited about like the, I really love it here. I don't want to change anything about being here. Yeah. But there's some things at home that I just can't, I don't get here. Right, right. And so I'm excited. Like I haven't been swimming in forever. <laughs> I'm excited to go swimming. I'm excited to go paddle boarding. And I've had the most vivid dreams yeah. about just being on a paddle board or just <laughs> laying on a pool raft. <laughs> And I, I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you commented on there. I was like, you know it, bro. You know we're going paddleboarding. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to go to the church, grab two of theirs. Yeah. Know for the whole two weeks I'm there and just take out <laughs> man, my sister if I have to. Yeah. You know, last resort, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> last resort. Yeah, dude, for sure. Every day that it's warm, I try to go. So. <laughs> I went paddleboarding before I left just because I knew I wasn't going to be able to. Mm-hmm. And that was in like May, and I think it was like 40 degrees that day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But I was like, I'm going before. Yeah. I know I won't be able to do this for a while. Well, I did it in Oregon the entire time I was there, and it was never, the water temperature was never above 40 degrees. (laughs) So I was constantly wearing a wetsuit. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Every time I fall in the water, you get like, even with a wetsuit, you're like, 
uh, like you can't breathe for a second. <laughs> like you can't breathe for a, yeah, you gotta you gotta adjust before you jump back on the board. Yeah, exactly. And then the the Pacific is crazy too, because there's always there was always constantly like seals and stuff swimming around me. Ah, oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. so freaking cool. Yeah, it was definitely cool, but it's yeah, also like you don't know what's dope. under you. You don't know what's under you like at any given moment. You're like, <laughs> that could be a yeah. great white under me right now, and I That'd wouldn't be, know. That's the thing is I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's enough for today. We'll revisit this tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful, though. I mean, the water is pretty crystal clear on most days, and it's not like the Atlantic. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I love the Pacific, nah, man. Because, you know, the beach that I'm accustomed to is uh, Ocean City. It's got other names for a reason. If you go in the winter. Ocean City is nice as a community. Mm-hmm. like when there's when there's not people there and you can you can kind of enjoy just the community oh yeah the yeah beach as it is but yeah. it gets so crowded with so many people so fast summer times are rough it is, it is just miserable in the summer yeah exactly that's yeah. another thing that pandemic video was saying that i found really interesting was that they were saying we should stay out of the oceans and stuff right now but the uh researcher was like no the ocean has tons of things that can heal us like it has all these good. That's what I'm saying. Saline. Yeah. Yeah. Salt. All of that. Like everything. And even sanity. I mean, Dude, yeah. sanity comes from the ocean too. People who get to surf and just be in the water, man. Like you, that's healing that's right there. And that's the way to social distance. Because let me tell you what, I am never further away from people than I am when I'm on the beach. Yeah. Because if I'm laying in the sun, don't talk to me. Yeah, exactly. And if I'm out in the ocean, like you can't get that close because you're going to end up hitting people. Yeah, exactly. Like that's. Man. It looks crowded, but in reality, like, how close are you to people? Exactly. Yeah, and I don't see why it became a thing that we can't go climbing or surfing. Like, that randomly became a thing. I remember, like, when this first started, I was like, sweet, as long as I can still climb and surf. And a lot of people were like, oh, yeah. the, there's, there, you're spreading germs through rocks. I'm like, who cares? Wash your hands after you touch the rock. <laughs> like, hand sanitizer or something. Like, And then... Just don't be disgusting. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, and it's just like, why is it? why does it take this pandemic fear for people to start washing their hands you should have been doing that anyway (laughs) you should have been doing that before anyway (laughs) i will say like i've i've made some some plans to like while i'm there i only know really one beach and that's bethany which is like next to ocean city yeah uh in delaware north carolina uh because i i've never been to outer bank is it outer banks there yeah yeah never been outer banks uh nags head kitty hawk none of that oh it's all i've never been to any other beach and so i, I really want to experience it mm-hmm. and someone was because i was making this this trip with a couple guys and uh someone was saying they're like ah oh, well like what if it's closed it's like look man if your mom says you can't go that's cool <laughs> i'm going like i have to at this point yeah, yeah. i just want to i want to experience the ocean how is honduras handling the crisis right now they have released their plan I think it's a four-phase plan mm-hmm. uh, through July, Ooh. and they're open to have everything open and back to normal in July. That's um, good. At the at the end of July, as of right now, we are still in phase one, which means that everything is locked down tight. You can go out one day a week. Uh, I'm sorry, one day every two weeks, and they do it based off of like your ID number, mm-hmm. kind of think of like social security number. Yeah. Uh, except. For them, it's more accessible and like you keep it on a card and you kind of use it for everything. Gotcha. And so like if you're if it ends in a one, you go out on Monday of week one two, Tuesday of week two, all the way through zero, which is Friday of week two. Dang. Um, and that's how they do it. Yep. So you got one day a week out. There's no crossing between towns at all. Mm. Uh, like I'm, I'm in La Paz, 
and I can't go to the neighboring departments or like states. It's kind of what they're similar to. Like you just, you stay where you're at. Gotcha. Uh, there's curfews, 6 p.m. Everybody's back in their house. And if not, you get put in jail for uh, three days. They take your car and everything. It's pretty serious. They're like taking it seriously. The, like the lockdown and the quarantine. That's intense. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. The nice part of that is that we've had cases in like the capital and other towns and stuff. But because no one's coming between towns, the, the town I'm in, La Paz, is still has zero cases. Zero cases in the, the, the entire state of La Paz. Dang, that's crazy. Yep. Do you think that's because people aren't reporting it or they're just like, they're really not getting it? Well, the thing is, no one wants to report it mm-hmm. because then you kind of become like the black sheep of the town. Right. But also, like, everyone wants to be the first one there because there's only so many breathing machines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's hard to tell. I don't know if it's because people don't want to report it, if it's just not serious. You know, there's people here that believe that there isn't any cases in Honduras and they're just using it to get money. Uh, and so there's really no way to tell. Yeah. And then you don't it's, know. It's tough, man. Yeah. You have no is. idea. Yeah. Anyway, let's stop talking about this COVID stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> let's not let it jack the, the uh, conversation. Yeah, too. exactly. Many Americans, Christians, and non Christians have the idea that. God is only in the U.S., and so I think we put God in a box. So I think some people argue, oh, you know what? Americans have just blown up God, you know, through presidents and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we've just blown it up, and it's only an American thing. I can understand that kind of mindset because it's – I don't think it comes from a malicious place. I think it's just hard to think about the big picture. Especially when the big picture is the entire world. Right. Because, you know, when I lived in the States, it was, I mean, I didn't even like live in the States. I lived in Maryland and that was, that was all I knew. And even then I didn't, I really know much about Howard County or Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. It was Calvert County. And even in Calvert County, Prince Frederick and Dunkirk, I knew a little bit, but I was in Huntington. And even in Huntington, I never kind of really ventured outside of my friend group. And so it's really easy to get in the mindset of like, the world revolves around you and not in the sense that like, oh, I'm the most important person in the world, but that what you see is the world. And that even if you recognize that that's not fact, I think that's the way that a lot of us behave um, because we're not affected by the other stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. We're just not. And so I will say, I never even really thought about a God outside of just my church in general. Like that was for me, that's where God worked. He was in the church. He was in my life. I would I would have that time with him on Sundays. I'd be there almost every afternoon helping out at church. And so I'd always have my God time then. But it was always in the church. Like that's where that's where it happens. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in Honduras and it's it's the same God. It's a different church. It's a different group of people. It's an entirely different part of the world. But it's the same God worshiping in the same ways, still serving him, still serving people uh, for him. Right. And I don't think, I think it's, it's hard to understand if you don't have that, that time in other places, but God's everywhere, man. It's one of the greatest things about him to, to be able to talk to people here and know that we're talking about the same God as people in the States is incredible to me. Yeah, it's cool. And I look at, you know, China and we don't realize how good we have it here in the States. What's also interesting to me is that the, I guess like the, the culture of Christianity in the States is far more relaxed mm. than in uh, Central America. 
in Central America, God is very much the center of everything. You know, like the, the really standard greetings are God bless you. May, and then like the goodbyes are always like, hey, may God uh, care for you and stuff like that. And, you know, every every part of my life, not just because I'm in missions, but just every every part of not just my life, but in life in general here, it all kind of works back to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's church here happens six nights out of the week. You have Monday nights, which is like interdenominational church. You've got Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is uh, like prayer nights. Like you just go for an hour and you pray and you worship and then you go home. We have, I have, so I have a small group that I run on Wednesdays and then I have a small group that I'm a part of on Fridays. Okay. And then Saturdays we have youth group and then Sundays we have the, the normal, we have discipleship in the morning and then the, like the regular service in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And, that, and man, that's seven days a week. And that's just, that's how it is. That's, that's normal for them. Yeah. And it's very, I wouldn't go so far as to say legalistic, but it's just the Christianity here. It's more proper. And the States is a bit more relaxed. And I, those are like the best two words I could think to describe it. And it's just very interesting to me. Being a part of both cultures is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Well, go into, go into more of that though. So like why, what makes it seem more relaxed here in the States? You know, in the States, it's, uh, it's not uncommon to, to have your group on Sunday and then Monday you go back to, to work and you're cussing with your buddies and you hang out and then Saturday night you're partying and everything. And that's not uncommon at all for adults, for youth, for everybody. That's kind of the norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we get angry, we cuss and we move on for, if you consider yourself to be a Christian here, it is, it's like an entirely different behavioral rule book. You don't, you don't drink, not because it's a sin, but because as a whole Christians don't drink. You don't cuss. You don't go, you don't even go to bars you are very respectful in everything you do. It's always a, a hi or a good morning, a good afternoon, good evening before you start any kind of conversation. It's just, it's different. It's very different. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think that a lot of Christians here uh, take it too lightly and it should be taken more seriously. In the States, Christianity is very prevalent on Sundays. On Sundays, you are in church. And that's your time to worship the Lord. And afterwards, you go get lunch with the family, do whatever, you hang out with some friends. And then Monday, you get back to normal life. And yeah, you've got youth group kind of sprinkled in throughout the week. And then you, you're you looking forward to this Sunday again. Here, it's part of it just being because you're in such a small community. Everybody knows each other. It's you're always, almost like you're always on duty. Everybody's looking at you. And so the smallest thing that you do that's considered like ungodly or judgmental or not Christian, that I mean, that is, they're like, oh, then he's not a Christian. It's not, it's not like, Oh, he had a beer because he's had a hard day. It's oh, because he's not Christian. That's all, and like that's that's how it is. And so you just have to always be on guard, which mm-hmm. is how you should be. It's how it should be everywhere, but it's it's very much so. If if you're going to be a Christian, this is a seven days a week, twenty four seven thing, and you're surrounded by your Christian friends, your Christian family, and that's what you have. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I think that some people look at Christians here and they're like, oh, you know what? I don't. I had a a dad who was Christian, but he beat me. So he was a he said that he was a Christian and he wasn't following what biblical law says we should be following, right? Exactly. People in the United States, I think, are being they're being kind of goaded into following a more relaxed Christianity. Yeah, for sure. Um, because 
if, if you go out there and you preach the hard facts, the gospel, the, the thing is people don't like that. They don't like to be in the wrong. They don't like to be attacked. They don't like to be told that God they're is going wrathful. to hell. They don't like to be told that, yeah, they don't like to be told that what they're doing now is, is sinful and wrong. And right. there's only one way to fix that. And it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. If you don't do this one thing and accept Jesus as your savior and then live mm-hmm. like it, then you're, you're, you're screwed. And that's just, it's, it's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. And so a lot of people choose not to. And a lot of people, um, in an effort to not be exiled by their, their friends and their family and other groups of people, they don't want to, they don't want to be the one to deliver that hard pill. And so Christianity kind of gets soft here. It is, it's just, it's an accepted fact that this is how Christianity is. And everybody's on board and there's people that say like, Oh yeah, I know I'm not doing enough and they accept it, but there's no, there's no denying it. There's no, there's no softer version of Christianity here. Right. Yeah. I think that's why the reformed biblical truth became so appealing to me is because I remember I heard Oprah talk on some interview where she said, I was sitting in church one time and the pastor said that God was wrathful and I disagreed. And so now he said, no, he's just a loving God. You know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah you can't make tough. up your own God, though. You know, you can't. But I think that's what we're in danger of here a lot, because we don't see hardships at, for example, China. Yeah, it's uh, you know? it's easy to just be like, oh, this is our American God who loves us and take ca- takes care of us. And that's all he cares about is us, us, us. And and he's OK if you're gay and he's OK if you're a drunk and he's OK if, if you beat people up. He's OK because he loves you. Right. He loves you anyways. And he does. He does love you. Yeah. But he loves you. He doesn't love your sins. And that's the that's kind of the part that gets left out a lot. Everything happens for the good of those who love God, for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. And you know, that's that's one of the things is you know, every God is a sovereign God, which means that every single thing that happens, either God does himself or he allows it to happen. Every single thing on the earth. And that's that's part of the thing is no matter what it is, if it feels bad, if he let it happen and it is bad, it's not because it's bad. It's just because we haven't seen the the good that's going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. Because he, we were made a promise. Romans 8.28, we were made a promise that every single thing for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose will work together for good. Exactly. Yeah, and I love that we – actually, I'm, I'm happy that we talked so much about COVID a little bit today because that kind of all ties it all in. And all this that we're talking about, it's not on my notes. Like, this is just what happened when we sat down and had a conversation. So I think that's cool. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I like going off the notes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, I think kind of circling back to COVID also, um, it's kind of, for me, I know, one of the hardest things about this whole thing has been learning, being forced to learn that God is not in a box. God isn't a place. He isn't a time of the day. He's not Sundays at 4 p.m. Uh, he's not youth group Saturdays at 4 p.m. He's not prayer nights Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. He's not He's not any of that. He's not a time. He's not a place. He's everywhere. And so all of that stuff's been canceled. I can't go to the prayer nights that I normally go to. I can't go to my youth group. I can't hold my small group, and I can't attend my other small group, and I can't go to church. And that's hard. It's been really hard because that's those are my times to refocus. At least they used to be. And I'm learning that I don't have to go somewhere or spend an hour of time with the entire church body in order to have my God. 
that's not, I don't have to have that. Right. And that's, it's been hard, but it's been a lesson I definitely needed to learn that God isn't just in the church. He's everywhere and always available. Yeah. And I think the danger that I even hit in college was just like, man, I got to make God cool for other people. You know? Yeah. 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 I got to make God cool yeah, for my friends. Be. Yeah. That. And it's just like, guys, God's cool. Like I'm drinking a beer with y'all right now. Right. Like God's cool. <laughs> you know, yep. it's like, man, God doesn't need yeah, that the, though. When we try and make the gospel look cool. What we're doing is we're saying that the gospel isn't enough. And that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. Cause you do, you want, you want people to accept the gospel, but not just that you want them to accept you accepting the gospel. And I, yeah, I do the same thing, man. Yep. You want to make it cool. We all got to be cognizant of that. As Christians, are you making up your God or are you showing the true God? I still have to catch myself guilty of that sometimes. Dude, favorite quote ever. Favorite quote ever. Man, I want to say it was by C.S. Lewis or somebody, but it wasn't somebody that cool. I honestly have no idea who it was. He said that, so everybody knows the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He said there are not four Gospels. There's five. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have your Christian. And he said the, the thing about the fifth Gospel is that most people are never going to read the first four. They're only ever going to read that fifth gospel. Mm. And that's that's one of the ways that I, I try and think about that every day when I live my life, is that for some people, I am the only image of Christ. I'm the only example of a Christian that they'll ever see. Because mm. they're not going to open a Bible. There's people that won't open a Bible, but there's people that will see me. And I, I, have to, I have to live like that every single day. And I have to remind myself a lot. And I fall short, man. And we all fall short. But when I remind myself of that, it's like holding myself to another standard yeah all right bro well i will catch you next time thanks for being on absolutely i'll talk to you later peace